Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Here, our waters are splashing and rejuvenating. Our history is for seeing and experiencing. Our theme parks are for riding and sometimes flying. And our great outdoors are yours for exploring and restoring. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Three Questions. I'm your host, Andy Richter. And today I'm talking to Lisa Gilroy, who is an incredibly funny actress uh, and and comedian and writer. And I first got to know her through her uh, social media uh, videos. She's one of those hilarious people that are doing comedy for free for you. Uh, she's appeared recently in Hulu's History of the World Part Two and Amazon's Jury Duty. You can check out her comedy podcast miniseries, The Disappearance of Dickie Donnelly, on the Earwolf Presents podcast feed. Lisa joined me live in the studio. Here's my conversation with Lisa Gilroy. I could do a TikTok dance with you later if you want, Andy. Yeah, we might have to do a TikTok dance. Oh. Yeah. What is that? I mean, I don't even yeah. like the sound of that. <laughs> I don't even like I've the never sound. done one. I'm only kidding. I've never done one. It's too vulnerable. It's Now, is it like, how do you find out what a TikTok dance? I, I mean, this is, I'm old, so. Me too. But I mean, but is it like. You see a dance on TikTok and then you replicate it. I mean, I see kids fucking doing it like in I know. office plazas I know. and things. And grocery stores, they yeah. have no shame. Yeah. But I mean, is that what it is? It's just like. Everyone starts doing the same dance to the same song. And then you, as a 34-year-old woman, begin to watch and think, maybe I'd look like that if I did it. <laughs> and then you try it in your living room and you don't. And you right. can't learn it. Like you can't learn it. I mean, learning choreography is like, a totally different skill set than I have. Yeah. Like, have you ever tried to learn choreography? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I have been in situations where I'm supposed to, like where I'm being paid <laughs> in a job in which choreography comes a part of it. And it infuriates me. It it's enrages me because it's like, you know, it's like a, it's like a gorilla trying to figure out a baby toy and then just smashing it. Yes. That's, you know, like, ah! That's how I feel too. I'm oh. like, I can imagine what my body's supposed to be doing right now, but I can't, com brain can't communicate yeah. to arms what they're supposed to be doing. I had, when I, uh, the, one of the TV shows, I, Andy Richter controls the universe, name dropping. That's me. I was in the title. <laughs> um, but they had a fantasy sequence that was like a musical number. Won't that be fun? To which I said, no. And also yawn. A musical number, wow, way to stretch, guys. Um, so they had the whole cast, like they were like planning this whole dance thing. And 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 I said, and it was like one of the few times I've ever like been like pulled rank. And I was like, uh, I'll come in at the end and do jazz hands. That's it. <laughs> and, and, and then we're like, all right, okay. 
And wow. that's exactly what happened. And my the rest of the cast was like, Ugh, we have dance rehearsal for three hours yeah, or something. It takes a long time. At least you know your limits. I've been in these situations too where someone's pitched something like this or I've been the one to pitch it. Like, you know, it'd be really fucking cool if we all learned this choreographed, synchronized routine and we did it perfectly. And I imagine that I can do it, but I can't. Yeah. I I'm, had to do, I was on a like Canadian sketch show called Air Farce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've probably heard of it. <laughs> I love the name. Um, and we did like a Taylor Swift parody music video yeah and it involved in one part like a thigh slap wow and i practiced so many times in my own home that i had given myself bruises of my handprints <laughs> on my thighs it was so hard i was embarrassed too because it was like on the day we were wearing shorts and i was like now everyone can see how much i've practiced this oh, dance. Boy. and i also don't have the capability like like a gorilla learning to dance to do it gently like i just right. couldn't control the slapability of it <laughs> Like you just no, there's no uh, there's no breaks on your slapping your no. thighs. Yeah, yeah. Had to do it if I was going to memorize it. Wow. Well, um, we started. By the way, I don't know if you know that. Oh, the, thigh the, slaps uh, and all. No, the, yeah. The, pie, <laughs> the podcast is ongoing. Um, and you mentioned it, Canada. You're from Canada. I'm from Canada. You're one of those Canadians coming down and taking American comedy jobs. Yeah, there's so many of us. <laughs> well, there actually, I mean, you know, there is a fair amount of of Canadians in comedy. I think. Do you know how many people in Canada? Uh, it, it's not much. Have a guess. It's like it's less than California, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I would just be making up a number. Me too, because who cares to know facts about that country? <laughs> <laughs> I actually love Canada. <laughs> no, I do. I too. really do. I love Canada. It's kind of, I always, it's like Wisconsin. It's like <laughs> a whole, con- if Wisconsin was an entire country, I Honestly, love it. Andy, I'm glad you said that, because since moving here, I've been here for six years now, and it's been this weird kind of guessing game of like, what am I to you? I'm trying to find like, what am I to you? And I think I've kind of come to that same conclusion. I'm just like, uh, or like a woman from Minnesota and my whole country is Minnesota. Yes. It's very much that way. I, I, I I mean, it just, and that's, you know, coming from Illinois and it, it, it does definitely just, just feels like, you know, beer drinking, you know, football fans that are con- that are polite. Hockey fans. And hockey. Well, hockey fans. Right. Right. Of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I, I know I have always I have always every time anybody's ever complained like, oh, I got to go work in Canada. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's I love it up there. Where did you spend time in like Toronto, Vancouver? Vancouver, Toronto. I've been to, I was in Halifax once. I was in Edmonton once. Edmonton's um, where I'm from, yeah. Edmonton, yeah. And I imagine there's just cows everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Calgary is cow town. We're all cow town. The whole country is maybe cow country. Is it? I don't know. Well, I mean, no, but I mean, isn't I, my picture of Edmonton and Alberta, and I actually, my grandmother's. A lot of her family. I have a lot of relatives in Canada. You do? That I haven't seen in ages. Uh, and they were all mostly religious fanatics. I mean, what was it like growing up? I mean, did you grow up in the country? Did you live in the, in the city? I grew up in the city of Edmonton on the yeah. south side. Um, so there's like a million people in Edmonton. Uh-huh. Um, which I thought was a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> until I moved out here. Um, but yeah, uh, we grew up like... You know, in the suburbs. Yeah. So it used to be like gravel roads out there when I was a baby. And then they got to be real roads. And my dad worked for TELUS, which was a big like Canadian phone company installing Mm -hmm. phones. And my mom was a a 
assistant to a guy in municipal affairs, which I've just recently learned I have to say municipal. You know my whole life I was saying municipal? Is that stupid or not? No, I don't think so. I mean, I always say paramount. And people say, <laughs> you mean paramount? You mean and like, I'm like in, in terms of like, th- that's paramount to the conversation or are you like paramount uh, studios? All of it. All, all of, of it. it. I have always said paramount. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I feel and like then for people you say, it's like, a why, don't, why don't you say paramount? And I'm like, I don't know. That's just always. Because of Andy Richter and I around the universe. La- lazy Midwestern, I guess, you know, something like that. Yeah, I guess so. we all have different ways of talking. I can get pretty insecure about it because people were mean to me when I moved out. Like I, I talked to, when I was, I was, I met this girl at an audition and I said something, something to her. I, I, I'm elig- I think I'm eligible for SEG. And she was like, for what? And I was like, for SEG? Like, I'm like, this girl's stupid. She doesn't know I'm talking about the actors union. Right, right. And she's like, it's SAG. Like, I just SAG. remember her going, SAG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, ever since I've been learning to say, you know, grocery bags, have you had, SAG. Have you had to curb your oats? Oh, yeah, big yeah, time. Yeah. And my stories and my tomorrows. Yeah, yeah. My stories and my tomorrows. <laughs> How poetic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my all tomorrow stories. Yeah. Um... Well, first of all, are you in a big family? You know, are you from a fairly big family? I have or? a small family. It's just me and my sister. Uh huh. Um, which also I've been thinking about, you know, because I've been working with your sister now. Did you know that? Do you know your little sister? Do you remember oh, little sister? Amy. Amy. Amy Poehler. That was yeah. my favorite bit. Yeah, yeah. God, that was a good one. She, was, you guys were so good together. That was that they were when the all of the UCB people came in and we started using them. It was a. It was like. It was a huge difference because there was, when you, you know, it was all new to everybody, but you'd write a bit and you would hope that you could cast somebody. If we went out into the world to cast it, you'd hope that they would say that you, there was a certain amount of funny you were expecting from it. You were hoping that they would give you somewhere near the level of funny that you had pictured. Yes. And then the UCB people came in and they went past. Right. Like they would just give you so much more and find so much more. And so it's like why, you know, Amy was on a thousand times and, you know, Walsh was on a million times and Andy Daly and all those UCB people we just so use them like crazy. Wow. But yeah, her playing my little sister, it was always fun to have her around. And but wait, was that weird for you? Because I don't think I realized that you were, so you came from performing at UCB and then right. No, I can't. I, UCB was after me. I knew, I, I did, I did like Improv Olympic oh. uh, with Matt Besser and Matt Walsh. And I knew Ian a little bit. And in the early days, Adam McKay, mm. uh, who, you know, the writer-director yeah. now, he kind of was with those guys in the very beginning of UCB. And, wow, and one of those stories, like the co-founders of, of Apple that decided to duck out early. Right, exactly. Adam McKay could be so filthy rich right now. He must be rolling over in his grave that he missed out on opening UCB. <laughs> he and, is. and he's long dead, he's, by the way. He's pretty, pretty. He's upset. He's upset. He's been stifled. His voice has really been stifled. <laughs> Um, wow, so but, those so were like I your friends. And they yeah, made yeah. Theater. Wow. I didn't, and I did, they kind of, they they sort of started to, I was already, I you know, because I left and went to New York for a while and was in LA for a while. And that's when those guys really started to kind of get their footing more and kind of get more established. And then I was in New York, uh, started doing the Conan show and they moved, all the four of them moved to New York and started doing their stuff. Oh. And started doing live shows. And, like, I think I did the monologues for their first ASCAT long form that Whoa. they did. That was, like, in a basement in Soho somewhere. Crazy. And then for a while, too, 
they had a theater on 22nd Street, and I lived two doors down. And we used to, like, there were a couple years where we shared a New Year's Eve party. Oh, like, wow. Like, there was the New Year's Eve party at UCB and then up in our apartment, too. And I don't remember very much of either one of those. <laughs> were you were you rooming with people, UCB people? No. I mean, I, my, my then wife and I had an apartment just, and it just coincided that it was two or three doors down. That's so fun. From, oh, it was, it was really a lot. It was almost too fun. Yeah. It was too easy and too fun. Um, but yeah, those guys, no, they, they came to, they came to New York and I was already doing the Conan show and it was just great to have them there because that was one of the first things of starting the, the Conan show. Like you say, all this new stuff, like you write, like I'm, I'm writing a bit for television and oh, and now yeah. I gotta, and then we would get, I was so expecting, oh, these are New York actors. We're going to get like really good people. And just, you'd see 30 really unfunny people oh, yeah. after the other. And it, it was like a real eye-opener, you know, to just be like, no, funny, you know, funny is funny. Yeah. And, and these people aren't funny. So it was really nice when those guys came there that we could start doing stuff with them. So did you, I guess then when you were on the, you weren't doing improv at night anymore? Like, were you doing any, like... You know, no. I mean, I would go. I I kind of started to do more of the monologue stuff. Right. Do you like doing that? Yeah, it's easier. I'm doing ASCAT at UCB now, and I I I would like to be a monologist, but I'm in the you know I'm well, in the ensemble. You, you, if you ask them, I'm sure they would let you. I just feel like it'd be weird, but I'm dying to know what it's like. Because I, I feel like the monologist is up there. They get their suggestion from the audience. And I feel like in those moments when they're trying to figure out what to say, it feels like death for them. Yes. But for, for us, it feels normal. It right. doesn't feel like that much time has passed. Right, right. Um, it's. I mean, you sit there. I did find, you. I did find, because I did it a lot in right. the early days. I did find, and it was, you know, against definitely, because... UCB is, they're Del Close people, and that's all Improv Olympic stuff. And the Improv Olympic was the most macho of improv, where if not everybody did this, but what you weren't supposed to do things twice. Right. Like, if you came up with a funny character, well, good job, but wow. don't do that guy again. You know? Really? Yeah. It was kind of considered lazy and kind of considered pandering and you know like the idea was to constantly be working at the top of your creativity and stuff and it's, we were imagine all, we expected stand-ups to do that i know I, new well, joke every single time don't well, ever repeat it we were all young too, yeah so that was that's like something like now it's like what the fuck are we thinking that's so dumb you think you work at some it's like you know it'd be like coming up with a product that's like really helpful, like something that, you know, a, a water purifier that would be able to save lives. But nah, I can't. No, we can't do that again. You know, I'm loving that you're comparing your characters to a water purifier. Uh, well, that yeah, save lives. It's e they're equally vital <laughs> in terms of the human, the human race. But I get there's a certain element of that, like overcreate, you know, produce as much as you can. That's healthy, I think, in creativity. Yes. It's like just scrap it, move on. That's great. And I bet like a lot of times, too, during that portion of life it's like a lot of those people at that age and at that stage were auditioning for snl so it's like produce as much stuff as you can have your and then you'll say you're like five seconds of each character and do 20 characters in five minutes well yeah and i mean well and it also was like and but it was very dull close who like you know was you know spent half his life being barely alive and having to be <laughs> rescued from himself you know he wasn't 
Like the notion of like, hey, Dell, I want to be on SNL would have been. Oh, really? Yeah, would have been gross. Really? You know? Yeah. I mean, in some ways. So, you know, to say to to say to kids learning comedy, don't repeat yourself is really hamstringing them mm. in, out in, you know, the way it works. Because when you go to SNL, they want to find refillable things. Right. And when on the Conan O'Brien show, we want refillable things. Right. In the beginning, we were like, we're not going to do topical humor. Like, that's gross, shitty topical humor. Within, like, two minutes, we're like, oh, my God, I hope Madonna <laughs> does something so we have something to do something about. Yeah. Because it's it's so much to right. create you know, television comedy that 110 you 110 evergreen shows yeah, every year. Yeah, you need something to base it on. So, but yeah, no, it was, we we weren't supposed to do things over and we weren't supposed to be like aiming for laughs back then. I don't remember how we got on this, but. Don't uh, aim for laughs. Yeah, I know. Number one. I know. Wow. No, you're supposed to, yeah, it was supposed to be, you know, the discovery was supposed to be the whole thing, which is all really cool. And I still do kind of believe in it as something to kind of aim for. right. But it's, it. I, I don't think that it's full. It, it doesn't make sense for it to. It's a, it's a good. It's a good challenge to do to your to do that kind of work. You know, right? Especially um, for a beginner to be told, "Don't aim for the laughs." Of definitely, course, definitely, yeah. Because then there, because there still were people there who would do. You know, who had their go to shticks, like, you know, climbing a flat and hanging upside down from it. You know did what people I, do? Someone yeah, did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bat boy. Yeah. Wow. Like, like would come out and then like crawl and then be like hang upside down and the audience would be delighted and every you could hear everyone on stage practically going. Ugh, oh yeah, yeah. This Y'all again. just jealous because you didn't think of it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. No, as as a as Kevin Dorf once talked about somebody uh, and said he said he goes for cute and I don't have time for cute. <laughs> like as if, as if he's in some comedy emergency all I'm the time. I'm a businessman of yes. comedy. Yes, this is important. Um, <laughs> well, when did you start feeling funny? Like when did you start feeling like you know this is what I want to do with myself? Interesting. Um, I guess like when I was a kid, I was a bit of a ham. I I never watched musicals or liked them, but I, I, for some reason my parents had the Oliver Twist soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I, I they were say. trying to get you. It, they were trying to get you inspired to work. You know, children. They, yeah, right, right. And to never ask for more. I think that was mm-hmm. the key lesson there. Um, but yeah, they had that. And I I don't know. I, I It awakened something in me. And I still don't know if I've ever even fully seen the musical. I know every single song by heart. And so I used to like put it on and do little shows. I loved to pretend I was a small British orphan for most of my childhood. <laughs> and my dad was always, you know, we watched like SNL and Monty Python yeah, and all that yeah. stuff together. And um, my dad, my dad's so, such a interesting guy because he's, he's like one of my favorite people in the world, but he's so um, like serious. He's friendly and conversational, but he doesn't like to be embarrassed ever. But behind closed doors, he's like a maniac. He's like a clown, like imitating just voices, accents, characters, like crazy. But then so when I would try to bring that out at like Home Depot with him, he'd be like, stop it. Stop that. Wow. Yeah. So it was like. So I had a lot of goofing around at home. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, unlike my dad, I was like, I think I'll just bring this with me wherever I go. Do you think that he, like, is he happy that you're doing what he can't do? It's funny that you ask that because he's happy and he's really proud and he knows that I work hard. 
And I, he thinks it's really cool. Like when I get to work with people that he is a fan of, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, but he finds improv so cringy. He like can't watch it. It's, Why? It's kind of devastating because it's it's all I do. It's my number one. Sure. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. At the beginning, although I moved away from home pretty early on to Toronto, and so most of the shows and the learning, all that stuff I was doing was like away from my parents. So they they would only see me do a show like once a year, maybe. So yeah. I got time to get good before they saw me in the really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And even now, my dad would come see me do a show with like. Like Paul Shear and those and Manzukis and those guys, you know, everyone's heavy hitter. It's yeah, like, yeah. Improv is this is as good as it's gonna get. Yeah. And leaving my dad would just be like, "Yikes, I need a drink." Is it is it he, that he's embarrassed at them trying so hard? But I don't know because to me, I'm like when I watched Improv at that level when I was coming up, I was like, "This is magic." It's like it looks scripted, but it's not. To me, it yeah. was like flawless. Yeah, yeah. But to him, I guess all he sees is like people in their 30s and 40s. <laughs> doing like pretending to be like mom i'm home he's like oh yes, god yes. where's the dignity in this i kind of you know what i kind of get it a little bit because <laughs> i have had like i remember at one of the improv olympic i think it was the 25th anniversary which someone while we were there figured out it was three years after the 20th anniversary. <laughs> like she just kind of picked a, another, Sharna Halpern picked another like sort of like, oh, well, this is the first time that we, you know, performed in a parking lot. Right, so right. the 25th anniversary of that. Um, I remember being back. And first it was a tear. It was like the whole, it would, the show was terribly run. There was like the, we all had body mics, you know, like love oh, body God. mics. And so there were like 10 Lavalier microphones, little microphone pack that you clip to your body. And they apparently, the company, the very cut rate company that she hired to do it, uh, tested them each one at a time by turning them and going, check, check, and then turning it off. No. So when they turned them all <gasps> on at once for the first scene, the board fried. No. And it was 40 minutes of the Chicago theater, like the the, the biggest theater in you know like sort of performing arts theater in town a blazing fire with people dying <laughs> yes and and just the, and then so she like sends out like her her young musical improv kids to like bore, you know like keep just go out there and do something and it took them like 35 minutes to figure it out we did the rest of the show with hand mics. Oh no, nightmare! Doing large group improv scenes nightmare by like on Elm Street. When, yeah, someone tapping you out and you putting no. your microphone down no. on the ground and then coming out and picking up a no. microphone, going like, "Hello there!" Oh you know, God, like I've done this. Yes. Yeah. Um, Wait, so the venue was big enough that needed mics? It was huge. Okay. It's like it's probably it's the Chicago Theater, so it's like, you know, it's like the oh, Chicago big, Theater. Okay, okay. the yes, big yes, yes. theater that's in every town. You know, like the big old right. theater, like vaudeville kind of theater with, a, you know, with like two mezzanines. Right. And it's, I, I'm just guessing it's probably like, ten, you know, seven, I don't know, or I don't know, maybe 2,000 people fit Dang. in it. So, yeah, you really need to Full be hiring house. the tech yes. guy who works yes. for that theater to do and, this. And I just, and so I was just like, so, but I was backstage and I could hear an, an, another group of guys doing improv and it was two guys two men that i know and they you know i could hear that they were trying to figure out where they were and who they were and what the game was right and i just did <laughs> have this like existential moment of like both of these men have children right and yes. mortgages and they're out there going like 
well, hello. Uh, <laughs> can I help you? In front of 2,000 people. And I just felt like, oh, there's got to be a better way. Oh, God. Well, so I feel like when it's good enough, that realization isn't supposed to strike. Right. Like, all, all we're trying to do is be good enough that we don't make anyone sad about what we're doing. Yeah. Well, and I've always said, and I've always said, like, improv, it requires a forgiving audience. You know, you can't, like, you can't take a stand-up audience who are like, where's the fucking jokes? Yeah, yeah. And put them into an improv show and have them be patient and wait for yeah. people to figure out what the game is and yes. for where the callbacks are going to be and and to give them room because they're just making it up as they go along. Yes. You know, God. They, it, it needs an audience that's like patient and loving and understanding and along for the ride for hey, the reason. Thank you. This is what I'm saying. So my dad just visited. Yeah. And he came to an improv show left unhappier than ever. <laughs> then he was like, then a couple days later, he's like, actually, you know, I would like to see a comedy show, another comedy show. And I was like, you, I'm like, oh my God, you've had a turnaround. I'm like, perfect. Like I could get myself on something tonight. He's like, not you. <laughs> would love to go see a stand-up show. Oh. He's like, that's what I mean by like a real comedy yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I'm like, okay, fine. I take him to the Laugh Factory. And we get there and I'm like, immediately I'm like, I hate everyone in the audience yes. already. Yes, yes. Everyone in the audience is not my people. Like, yeah. And I hate to say this because I really do. I respect stand-up so much and I wish I could do it. It's something I think about doing a lot. But you when, don't need to. But but don't you think it'd be good to have something I could do by myself or to like parade around with 12 other people? I have, I have tried. I have tried and I just, in fact, it was, I was, during the San Francisco Sketch Fest, I was hosting a night of Conan-related stand-ups. Uh, either writers, like writers from the Conan show who do stand-up or stand-ups who had appeared on Conan. Uh-huh. At Cobbs, which is one of the premier comedy, stand-up comedy clubs in San Francisco. And I was in, I was probably five minutes into my opening 10 to 15, you know, as the MC, And I just was up there and I just decided, I don't like this. Like, I don't. I don't like, this is all like stuff I wrote and that's right, like there's in no my magic head. Element, yeah, I'm, totally. just, I'm just telling jokes that I know, you know, are funny or that like were tweets that I, you know, like just repurposed tweets. From Jim yeah. Yeah. No, no, my own <laughs> tweets. Um, and, and I just was like, I don't like this. And I haven't really done it since. And it does, it's just not as rewarding to me. I don't, and I don't, this sort of very transactional, I say something and you all laugh. Yeah. It's not the same as I'm on stage with another yeah, person that's something. like yes. me, that's weird in the way I am and broken in the way that, that I am. And we're going to figure something out together that's going to make strangers happy. I guess that's the thing. It's like yeah. being, improv is being broken on stage together and stand up is yes. just like you're one solo broken man. No. And, <laughs> and, and, scary. Yeah, and, and there's no discovery <laughs> right. most of the time. I mean, yeah, I guess some people do crowd work and stuff. You but know? even the crowd work, it's like, because I had a very similar revelation to you, whereas like in Toronto, I was doing this some sort of at absolute comedy there. The, there was some sort of contest or something that I was doing. And I was doing the same five minutes every night. And on like night three, I was like, I had to do the same. I was sick of hearing myself say yeah. this joke, this joke that I've written to sound as if I stumbled upon it organically and I'm surprised by my own. I'm like, I'm lying to them. Yeah. And then even the guy hosting, his crowd work was the same every night. Yeah. He'd find one guy with a backwards hat and he'd go, nice hat. Does it come front ways? And the first time I heard it, I was like, huh? 
ha, this guy fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next night I was like, it's a charade. It's all a trick. Yeah. It's a sham. It's all a trick. There's yeah. always going to be one guy in the audience with a backwards hat. I know, it's I Alberta. Know. It's, I all, know. it's Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> it's Canada. It's Canada. I'm confused Please. about headwear. But anyway, so I brought my dad to this show at the Laugh Factory. And the audience is all drunk. And so it's like people like, you know, not like the Christian improv audience who never touches a drop. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, they were just, I guess, drunk on narcissism. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it was just constantly like, it does. What? And that like shout people shouting from the back right. like bachelorette party just people that if people behave this way at an improv show it would just be so strange it's just not the like communal vibe of like right. we're here to we're all friends and you don't need to compete with me and you don't need to shout and I'm not gonna yell at you right right and then um yeah, we're sitting there and my dad's loving it and somebody's like making a joke. Literally, it's just like a stand-up being like, yeah, my uh, wife doesn't know I'm here right now. Am I right, man? <laughs> just close the door. She's like, where are you going? I said, shut the hell up. My dad's like, ha ha, loving it. And then the guy starts going like, so what's going on here? Like pointing at us. Like, uh, you guys fucking or what? She's a gold digger or whatever. I'm like, I'm literally like, I want to die. And now he wants to die. I'm like, you brought us. You wanted to come here. Yeah, yeah. And now, so and now, someone's making inappropriate jokes about us yeah. from the stage. You I'm in did hell. This. I'm in hell. Yeah. Come to an improv show where you're safe. Did you Did you say I'm his daughter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly like <laughs> and that. Then he was like, tears well, in my still, eyes. <laughs> were you fu- are you fucking? <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. It's terrible. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Scramble through our world-class golf courses or shop your way through the square. Be one with nature as you hike or bike through our parks and trails or hunker down at one of our breweries. And when it's time to eat, be sure to bite into our eclectic food scene. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Can't you tell my love's a grow? I, I yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of friends that are stand-ups. I can, I find stand-up, you know, there's a lot of genius, brilliant stand-up, and then there's also what I mean, you know, you can say the same thing. But there's there's also just a lot of stand-up that's just, like I said, it's just transactional, mm-hmm. and it's just, and there's so many stand working stand-ups that just really do seem to be. Their 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 sort of mo is I'm going to do stuff that works right you know I'm going to which means stuff that I've seen other people do 
that then people will go like, oh, I like that because that's like that other guy that I heard do this same kind of thing. Right. And there's no discovery. There's no nothing. There's no challenge. There's no, you know, and it just, it's, I just don't, like, I don't, I, why do you leave the house to do that? I don't, it's just, it's. And also like all those clips of standups that are blowing up on TikTok and Instagram and all that is is just moments in the set where they were doing crowd work. Somebody yes. said something and they responded in a witty way. It's like there was something alive in that moment. Yes. That's exactly. what we like. That's and that's what it is. It's it's the, and the other the other thing that kills me about and I mean and standups complain about especially like old salty comedians complain about the fact that every young person is just putting their crowd work up. It's because it's not wasting their precious material. Oh, is that why they do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you put, you know, like the third joke in your act and you have that be, you know, just like, and you're not promoting a special, you're just promoting come see me in a club. Right. You can't put in a joke that they um. will hear when they come see you in the club because... I guess you're giving it away for free or something like that. And that's and that's where I mean, I have always felt and it it's just it's me being bitchy folks. Don't write me, you know, letters and things. No one writes letters, but uh <laughs> but you know, but it is it I do there is this I feel like a superiority of like oh, you're afraid to, it was like when I when stand-ups in early on in Twitter would say I'm not writing putting jokes on Twitter and I and I always felt like can't you make more like right. aren't you capable like if you come up with something funny today don't you think you can come up with something funny tomorrow right and it, it's just like I guess the answer is uh, no I'm not I don't think I can God it's scary now though like with TikTok reusing sounds. Is, yes. is like how they function. It, it has created this whole. I believe that the young people, the young people on TikTok right now, <laughs> they don't understand cre- intellectual IP plagiarism, anything like that. Yeah. Like, I, I just saw a video yesterday where some one creator was accusing another creator of stealing her joke, her video, and she made this whole thing. And she, and then of course the other creator is like green screening herself on top of the video as a response to it, sure. a stitch reply, whatever. And she's like. This girl's so salty because she thinks I stole her video. Um, hun, I saw it on Twitter first. You took it from Twitter and then I took it from you. It's just like that was her high ground. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. so the joke is stolen and everyone is stolen. Right. It. We're both thieves. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's like okay and it's fine. And, the, and people will replicate other people's videos physically with the words, everything just I've had it happen to me, you know, yeah. like, and I can't blame them because they just think this is what the platform's for. It's right, like you right. do a thing and then it's like lip syncing a song. I'm going to lip sync your joke and people think it's mine. Right. Did you start doing comedy in Edmonton or did you go to? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah. I, I was doing improv there and then I was a drama teacher in Edmonton. Oh, really? <laughs> that was like my version of being able to do the work. Right, like, right. Like be a comedian. I was like, I'll be funny for my students until I die, I guess. <laughs> well, did you go to college? I don't know. I did, yeah. yeah. In Edmonton? Yeah, in Edmonton. Yeah. I went to the University of Alberta. And then and then you got out and just started, and you were teaching acting? I was teaching drama class for high school kids. Wow. And I was doing improv on the weekends. And um, yeah, and then I auditioned for a kids TV show that was in Toronto. And then I got that and left and never taught again. Oh, really? Yeah. And do you miss that? I mean, was that something you wanted to do or is it just something this is a way to make money with the degree that I have? Um, 
I, well, I don't think any teacher's like, here's how I'm going to get rich, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, but uh, it's a job. Oh, yeah, totally. But it's I, a job. I did yeah. love it. And, yeah. I, and I still, like, out here have, like, coached improv. That, like, scratches the same itch. And I was always, like, a camp counselor. I, yeah. If I can get any group of people to play a game that I want to play, which is essentially <laughs> drama class, uh, I'm, I'm doing the Lord's work. That is true. <laughs> All right. It is. It's like it's your birthday every day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you get to decide what the game is. Yes. Oh, I used to be funny. the bus host, too. Like, between uh, – we had summer camp in B.C., so it was, like, a 10-hour bus ride from Edmonton to Princeton. And um, I would host the bus – like, I'd be on the microphone in the bus. Can you imagine a better place to have people who cannot leave, cannot turn you down, <laughs> cannot uh, cannot exit at all, captive for 10 hours of whatever games, trivia, anything yeah, yeah. I wanted to do? Were, were they get uh, – were they happy about this? Yes. They were happy about that. You sure? They loved me, Andy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I can't sounds, be certain. <laughs> it sounds like sometimes you might be exhausting. This is just a, a hunch I'm having. Yeah. Do you exhaust? Like, is it? Were you like one of those kids when you were little? Like, where it was kind of like, Jesus, Lisa, just stop. Yes. Just, this is literally all I talk about in therapy. Really? <laughs> just yes. Stop. And my dad said those exact words. You're exhausting when he when he visited. <laughs> I was like, I guess sometimes people want to relax. Right, right, right. <laughs> now, is is that just like, do you just have, do you run at a high RPM? I mean, I definitely need my alone time to recharge and become even more sinister than ever. <laughs> sure, sure, right, to plot. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I always just kind of look at it like, if we're hanging, I think this is why I got into improv. Because I'm like, if we're hanging, why can't we all be like crying, laughing, and making a special memory? Instead yeah. of just like sitting in silence <laughs> on our phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, sometimes, you know, I might try to force that in a way that's annoying, but right. a lot of good memories have been had. Yeah, but I mean, at a certain point, once the special memories pile up, are they special anymore? Wow, you, you know? think your you think your life could become too special? Right, exactly. So th you're kind of going, you're trying to avoid that. <laughs> if you have a brain full of golden moments, what good is gold? Wow, you know what I mean? Wow, you Midas is curse. You if need to keep them, you know, you, 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 I think you need to recharge more is what I'm saying. What if my whole life is gold and the most special moments are diamonds? <laughs> or and <you're> turds. <laughs> then maybe the turds become, <laughs> become oh, much I precious. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know. or, yeah, or the gold just becomes turds. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm loving your outlook on life. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm not sure it's an outlook. I haven't really, <laughs> haven't really workshopped it very much yet, but... Um, well, tell me about moving to Toronto. I mean, was that was that like scary? Was it yes. exciting? Were they happy to see you go? God, I, I just never thought that I'd leave Edmonton. Like, really? Yeah. Like, my dad was born and raised there. Um, my mom came from Egypt. My mom's Egyptian, and oh, she, wow. they came, they all immigrated to um, Edmonton of all places. Show, I guess there's like a pretty decent. Um, uh, Egyptian community there. There's a, yeah, Cairo to Edmonton pipeline. <laughs> yeah, the, the non-stop flight. It's because it's very similar. <laughs> Cairo and Edmonton, very similar. God, it's really devastating. Like, I just can't, I can't even stand how cold Edmonton is. Yeah. I can't imagine. So, anyways, there was kind of like a vibe of, um, thank God we're here. Uh -huh. That made me never really think about leaving. And, um... Then I was doing this. Yeah, I was in that improv. Wait, what do you mean, thank God we're here? Like, thank God. For, for example, like, I've never even been to Egypt because my family doesn't want me to go. 
actually. Oh, I see. So it's from a perspective of your mom's. Yeah, and like yeah. I mean, and Egypt's obviously not a great country for women and young women. My my mom and her sisters. There's three girls in the family, and my mom came over when she was 13. They were all like really young, and yeah. Anyways, there's just like a vibe of like, why would you go back? Yeah. And we're grateful to be here, and we're grateful to be in Canada. And I do love. I love where. I, I grew up, but um, I was doing improv on the weekends with this group, and then they wanted to audition to host this kids' TV show. So I went with these girls to help them tape an audition. Like it was like you were supposed to improvise with another person. You fucker. Yeah. So I I I, you I booked it. Submarined them. <laughs> I submarined them. Yeah, yeah. And um, they've forgiven me. And um, <laughs> <laughs> or so they say. <laughs> and I got an email saying like. A, basically a callback like we send another tape and so I I messaged the other girls and I was like there's something wrong with the tape like I guess we have to send another one and they were like we did not get that email I didn't even know what a callback was I'd never auditioned for anything before in my life wow so then um so then yeah I got the job and I moved to Toronto and it was so my first time being away from home I was like newly married I got married young and I went over there by myself because I didn't know I was like okay I guess I'll go for six months and shoot this show and come right back like I had no idea yeah. I would not return home right and so I left and it was just so lonely like I can't explain going to a city where I didn't know a single person my yeah. my dad had one friend there that I and I lived with her um she had like kids in college and I like just became one of the kids and moved into one uh -huh. of the rooms and um I didn't know anyone my age. And on the show that I was working on, it was a prank show where I was the host. <laughs> so there was no other talent. And it was just like a crew of 20 guys and me. Like, there was just, I, I, it was so hard to make friends. Yeah. And the city felt so ginormous to me. And yeah, it was my first time, like, being, feeling truly lonely. Right. And did your did your husband come with you then after a while? So or? then after the first six, six months, then I moved back home and then the show got picked up for a second season and we were like, let's just move out. And then we stayed there for five years and then we moved to L.A. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's very good of him to do that, you know, to to travel with you. Yeah. Or is he just a lamprey on you, uh, you know, on, on the bottom of, of you? <laughs> no, it, it was great. But I mean, he... I what think what he does your husband do, if I may ask? He's an engineer. He's an engineer. So, so he was able to... Work anywhere. Yeah. 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 And I think like having come because there's trains me, everywhere. Yeah. He's yeah, a, yeah, he's yeah. a big choo choo boy. Yeah. So, yeah. He's a choo choo um, boy. <laughs> no, since moving to California, now he does like software engineering. He switched his. He used to be electrical. Oh wow. So, and now California's like the place for. For so, software so it's, engineering. it's kind of a dream because I'm doing, I have access to all of the best comedy here, in my yeah. opinion. And he's like in Silicon Valley, you know, or close enough. And yeah, yeah, we yeah. both are like so excited. Oh, that's to great. To be living here. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. So I think it was like, I think it was an easy move because he had come and visited me while I was shooting the show. And the, Toronto's just such an incredible city. It was like the first time where I was like, Edmonton's a strip mall? Like, it was the first time I was yeah. like, I thought that way about my own city. Yeah, yeah. And I remember visiting home at Christmas and being to my dad, like, so rude. Like, as a young, you know, like, 20s, early 20s, just being like, hey, I'm worried about you. Are you going to die here? <laughs> like, you need to see the world, like, so annoying. yeah. But had your husband had any uh, any ambition to move? No, on neither from neither of yeah. us ever thought we would. Wow, I know. Wow. So yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, and then and then did I mean you obviously you ended up moving to L.A. Mm -hmm. You were in Toronto for how many years? Four years, almost five years. Almost five years. Mm -hmm. And then did it just become? Was there something that brought you here, or because you did? I mean, you did the prank show, and then you did 
you, you said you did sketch show kind of stuff. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. So I ended up, um, that's where like my love for improv really like kicked into high gear when I moved to Toronto. Cause I had been doing these shows in Edmonton, but there's, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's, there's like a, a some decent improv stages in Edmonton, mm-hmm. but then in Toronto it was just, there's so many more there, yeah. and not better ones, but just way more stages, way more, um, different types like short form, long form games, all sorts of stuff. And so um, I went and watched a ton and I was like, oh, I got to be doing this. So then um, I was doing more improv than ever at night. And then I auditioned for Second City and then I was in the touring company with them. Mm-hmm. And I think what kind of like fueled the move to L.A. was when I was in Turco, I wanted main stage so bad. And I was like on the track for it and, you know, being talked to about it, like, hey, mm-hmm. maybe next year, whatever. But then all these women that I like idolized that were on main stage would do it for a couple of years and then they would be back doing the same pay what you can improv shows that I was already doing. Like in Canada, it's just not the same kind of like springboard. It felt sure. like if you're going to stay in the country, at least. Yeah. Um, It's not like Chicago where you could just do main stage and then you're Steve Carell or something. Right, right. Like you don't get, it's not like you get a TV show from being on main stage in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've always thought that about like, you know, having a lot of Canadian comedy friends some who end up, you know, like like a lot of the kids in the hall guys, like, you know, that mm-hmm. like, you know, Scott Thompson was living back in Canada for a while. And I just, and it, I just, you know, I, my, I have such a, like a, you know, like people, whenever they would ask me like for advice and career stuff, and I'd be like, well, first do improv in Chicago, then have <laughs> someone may ha- make you their talk show sidekick. And then uh, agents will see you doing that. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I can't fathom any other path than my own. And I just wonder like, are there people, I mean, I know there's people in comedy making a living in comedy, but it's got to be kind of like. In Canada. Gotta, you yeah, mean. yeah, in Canada. But it's got to kind of, you know, I mean. It just doesn't seem like I, I'm not aware of like a Canadian SNL or like a Canadian sitcom that lasts eight seasons right. or anything, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, yeah, that's that's exactly how it feels because there's also so few networks yeah. to even make shows. It's right. like you could get on a show, but it's like you're everyone's auditioning for the same one TV show every year. It's yeah. just like there's not, there's not room enough for all of us to, yeah. to do it. So, um when I was in Turco, I started putting together my green card paperwork. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, might as well, I guess, start trying to make the move. But yeah, there are people that, and I think there's people who are better people than I am who think like they're experiencing success in Canada and they want to stay and cultivate more opportunities for other Canadians to do comedy in the country without sure. leaving. Better people than me. Right, right. They're going to be the tragically hip of comedy. Okay, thank you for yeah, saying yeah, that because yeah. that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. like that we have CanCon laws, which is yeah. which is Canadian content, which means a certain amount of yep. whatever songs we play on the radio have to be Canadian. Yep. So we have all of these like Canadian celebrities that the rest of the world don't know about. Which, by the way, another absolutely jarring and shocking uh, part of the journey of moving to America, especially as an improviser, because I'd say things on stage thinking everybody fucking knows this person <laughs> and nobody knows them, and it's like it's so hard for what me. What a to- Kevin Cleary thing. <laughs> To, like, yeah. just not even like, I mean, oh God, Prozac. We have this band called Prozac that was fucking huge. Like, yeah. And I thought, and here's the kicker. These men are, there's, there are two guys from Montreal and their whole shtick was like, nobody knew what they looked like. They were like the Daft Punk of Canada. Yeah. And they did British accents. So I thought they were like worldwide pop stars. Yeah. They were just Montreal Canadians doing British Putting accents, never showing accent. their faces. Yeah, yeah. And I've been utterly duped by that. Because then, like, 
The, and their biggest hit, Andy, I'm so embarrassed even thinking of it. Their biggest hit is called I'm Obama Shirai. Okay, it means nothing. It goes, I'm Obama Shirai. I, I, I really want to see ya. Okay, it's insane. Yeah. Imagine me, like, cut to me on stage at the Largo referencing that yeah, as, yeah. like, the, the the song that the teens are rocking out to. <laughs> it becomes that and I'm this— And crickets. And, and then it's like the other improvisers have to rally around me like I'm some—now the game is I'm a teenager, but I'm actually an alien, and that's why I speak a different way. I'm like, I didn't mean for this to be the scene, yeah, yeah, but yeah. now it's become the scene. Right, right. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Scramble through our world-class golf courses or shop your way through the square. Be one with nature as you hike or bike through our parks and trails or hunker down at one of our breweries. And when it's time to eat, be sure to bite into our eclectic food scene. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Do you think that there's, like, are there Canadian bands that feel like... American? No, that they feel like, no, that they just feel like if it weren't for the CanCon laws, they wouldn't be as, you know, like if it were an equal playing field, you wouldn't know so much. Yeah, I mean... Who Amabama Shirai, you wouldn't know Amabama Shirai I'm so sure, much. that's why the yeah. rule was made. Was put in there, yeah. But there's some that, like... I couldn't believe when I moved here are not American rock bands. It's like even the content of the songs sound like they're singing about America. And yeah, I guess yeah. that's probably yeah. an intentional tactic. Right, right. But yeah, it's really weird to be here now and be like, oh, I'm kind of the off-brand. <laughs> like, or or permanently kid sister. It's like in a microcosm of my own life, I'm the younger sister. I'm the exhausting one. Thank you so much. Yes. I'm the like... And then when I come here, I'm like, oh, that's maybe my whole country tugging on the sleeve of America, <laughs> being like, listen, look, 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 yes. look at this. Watch this. You, yes. you think this is funny? You are Canada. <laughs> you embody a nation. Uh, Wear it proudly. Fun, polite, exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, you do? You just you, you do you come here and just rent an apartment and start yeah. looking where the improv classes are? I mean, did you have any contacts here? I didn't know anyone here either, no. But it was like, it was good coming from Second City, at least knowing. Yeah. So at least a lot of people ha had come over for portions of time. That's like a Canadian thing to do. Right, come over for like three months or they get the O-1 visa, which is good for like one year. Yeah. Um, I went straight to green card. So it's like permanent residency, which is great. But then also it's like impossible. It was so hard to find an apartment because I have literal, I just got my social security number. I'm like, yeah. to you, I am 12 days old. I'll have no credit. I have nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had to we got an apartment that was like being built. We were like, hello, if we give you money now before the walls are up, can we have this? <laughs> can we rent it when it's done? So that's how we ended up doing that. But um, yeah, what was your question? Well, and then just what was it like in those early days? Oh, yeah. UCB, obviously. Yeah. UCB was so eye opening to me because I'd been now at this point been doing improv for like 10 years before I even moved out here. Mm -hmm. And um, then I started taking immediate. What year is this, by the way? Just uh... 20. 
19, I moved out here. 2018, okay. yeah, somewhere okay. near the end of 2018. Um, and I went straight to UCB and Groundlings at the same time. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I also have this like fire in my belly that's like, I just spent all of my money on a green card. So, yeah. so I can't make this work here and create some sort of like job out of this. Yeah. This is going to be And you got to turn over every stone. So if there's an improv group here, I, exactly. did, this, I did the same thing in Chicago. I, I was with different groups and then, and there was like rivalry that where like, you know, the guys in improv Olympic would be like, what do you go over there at the oh, annoyance top, for with all exactly those drug taking queers? And yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah, because there's drugs and queers. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I experienced that too. I, it was always because, well, yeah, they're all going to help. Right. You know, they're all going to help me be better on each one. And so. I'm like, no offense, I don't know a single person here. Yeah. Like, Mama got to make friends. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm only going to like one out of every, one out of every, like, 15 people in every class. So it's yes. like, okay, I got to take a lot of fucking classes yeah, to meet yeah. people that I connect with. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, I started Groundlings and UCB immediately, but Groundlings, you know, the track, it has this, like, bottleneck. Mm-hmm. So when that was happening, then I really started, like, diving into UCB and I got the... You know, you take the first class and they make you buy the manual. The UCB, okay, so it's a UCB manual and you have to buy it. And you have to have it and it's $25 and you read it and you, it it blew my mind. I was like, there is a book. I was reading it like, oh my God, this is why. I remember in the early chapters it would talk about like, you know, the unusual thing. If you're painting, there's like a blank canvas and you put a splash of color on it. It's only a splash of color because the rest of the canvas is White, as you were talking about with the gold and the turd nuggets yes, in my yes, life. Yes, yes, If it's all gold, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So, so the the unusual person and game and stuff like that. It's like I didn't ever use that terminology. Yeah. I have been doing improv for so long, and I didn't know the textbook explanation of it. So right. that was like became really exciting for me. And then I started actually looking at like, you know, the herald and like structures of repeating things and what game is if you m- take it to a lateral move and put it somewhere else. Like that was mind blowing to me. Yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, I did that. And what, did you find that it was stuff that you were doing anyway and that you didn't? Yeah, but yeah, it's like yeah. I could have avoided a lot of heartache if someone had given me this Bible because <laughs> I learned the hard way. Like I, I did so many just like drop-in shows. For a long time, I was just self-taught. Like I just joined an improv. I joined a student improv group and there was no teacher. It was just like we were just doing shows. Yeah. And I was just figuring out trial and error, like what works in a scene. I wow, know how so to get you, laughs. You weren't really doing improv classes? No, but- I hadn't taken an improv class until – uh, probably second, like two years into living into Toronto. And even that, it was like mostly using improv to write sketch. It wasn't wow. ever just like improv for the sake of improv. Wow. Which is what I love. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I'm very surprised because you do seem, you know, like, you do seem like a very, like very much a improviser. You yeah, know, that's yeah. what I love to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in fact, I, I listened to the, uh, I, here's a plug thing. Um, the Disappearance of Dickie Donnelly on Earwolf. Oh, yes. I heard it was you and Lily Sullivan. <laughs> yeah, and, she was uh, my first I, guest. Yeah, yeah and I, I was sent the link, uh, you know, in prep for this, and I didn't I didn't realize that it was going, it was like an improvised conversation, and it was so delightful. It was so much fun. Oh, thanks. Because that's what's, it's what's, I mean, what is the whole thing about improv is, you know, listening to funny people be funny together and enjoy each other and discover things together and yes. make something together. You yes. know, it's uh and it was a perfect example of it. And like I said, I was surprised that it was so, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what I expected, 
but because, well, because it's like Earwolf presents, you know, like I'm <laughs> expecting, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be worked out. Oh, no, it's not worked <laughs> no. out at all. And in fact, it's only four episodes, and then it's going to change into someone <laughs> yeah. else's podcast abruptly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, but I mean, that's it's wild to me that you had never taken classes of it because that's, you know, I can't imagine not having had classes and doing improv. You know, like uh, there was enough classes, uh, there was enough practice that I got in classes before I went on stage that I, you know, I kind of, you know, there was a form to it as opposed to just get up there and feel your way through it. That's, uh, you know. Right. Kudos to you. That's really brave and really shows, you know, that you love it. Well, it's also like an Edmonton thing because it's like if you see if you know that and I, like I grew up watching Whose Line was so obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. It's like you could see that with your friends and just be like, let's try to do this at like yeah. a coffee shop. Or right, something. right. It's right. like kind of that. I, I am grateful that I had those like informal times yeah. just to dick around before I ever came out here. Yeah. When did you have moments when you came out here that were like very uh, I mean, aside from. Getting into improv and finding, you know, your tribe and all of that stuff. Uh, were there things that started? What were some of the first things that happened that made you feel like, okay, I can do this. Like this is gonna, this is gonna be real. Yeah, I guess I just like I, I kept getting green lights. You know, I was like I knew I enjoyed it, but like for example, that that group that I was in in um, Edmonton, I saw them do a show. Yeah, and they it was like they performed at like a church. It was like a church group. And they did, like, improv at church. And I was like, what is this? I like it better than God. (laughs) (laughs) And then I, you know, someone put me in touch with the girl who ran it. And I was like, can I come and, like, watch you guys practice or, like, anything? Like, I was just so—I just wanted to be involved. And so I came and I was, like, watching a practice. And then she brought me up for, like, to play one of the games. I don't know, whatever, some sort of improv-y game that is not really improv, but like, you know, if you played like uh, Martha, I think that's what we call it, where someone would step in and be like, I'm a tree. And then someone else steps in and goes like, I'm the witch that lives under the tree. And then if they're like, you're basically just trying to like add just to the story. Just adding on, mm. yeah, yeah. And I did a couple games with them. And afterwards she pulled me aside and she was like, look, can you do the show next week? Because there's a girl in this group that I think is so bad. <laughs> and I would love for you to just replace her for this one show. So it's like already stuff like that. It was like the very first time I even went for a practice. Right. She was like, could you be in, the, in a show right, right away? And, and then you already learned about backstabbing. <laughs> like right off the bat. Well, then, and then, cutthroat to, aspect. And then to go from that to the audition with the girls that I got the. Yeah. It's like. I wasn't ever trying to get the thing that I got. It's like, it felt like people just kept going like, hey, I see this and you, would you like yeah. to try this? Yeah. So thank God, because I don't think I would have had the, you know, courage to ask for that or think that I was good enough to do it. Yeah. And then, you know, same thing. I moved out to Toronto and I didn't even finish taking the class before they cast me in the touring company. And then I yeah. moved out to LA and I was on the mess hall teams and they moved me in the middle of mess hall to Herald night, like stuff like that that just kept happening. That I was like, I was still so new at it, but I felt like I felt enough. Like I must be good at this. that It's okay. Like I kind of have the opposite of imposter syndrome where I'm like, if you think I'm good enough to do this, like jokes on you. Like I've tricked, I've successfully 100% agree. And I'm not responsible for what happens now. 100% agree. And I've talked about that before. I mean, elsewhere, but on here too, that like the whole notion that, that you're supposed to just base your place in the universe based on how you feel about yourself is insane. Mm-hmm. You need input. You need to base your you need to base your placement on 
what does everybody else think of me? Right. You know, and I and I was very much the same way in that I had there were very specific moments uh, in doing improv where I where there was like this tangible acceptance of what I was doing and somebody saying, you're good at this. In, you know, in a way that was like, oh, yeah, this isn't just a pat. Like they actually are saying, I'm good at this thing. That I I I thought, yeah, I think I'm okay. You know, that it's like, and that's what it took for me to continue doing this and like to come out here. And there's all, you know, I had all kinds of like stuff of like, well, this is L.A. and not everyone here can be Tom Cruise. You know, there's a lot of people here. Doing in show business, making a living, I could do this. Yeah. You know, like this is all makes sense, you know, in a way. Yeah. At least it used to, not now. <laughs> not now that I'm on the long, the long slide down. Does but, it really, does it really come in waves? Cause I, you know, I spent my first couple years out here thinking like, you know, I had to do a lot of work on like, I might never be able to f- make. Like, I could always maybe make enough money mm-hmm. coaching, doing, I was doing a lot of commercials. Yeah. But I really wanted to be on, like, a comedy ensemble TV show. Yeah. It was, like, my big dream. Yeah. And I had to really reckon with, like, that might, that actually might not happen for me. I could yeah. still be out here, like, doing shows, getting filled up creatively in all sorts of other ways. But I had to do a lot of work on being okay with that. Yeah. And I'm sure you did at one point. And then at one point, you were doing all the things you never dreamed you could. Yes. And- does it go away again? Like, do you uh, actually feel like you're in a place where you have to, ha- like, take care of yourself in that way and go, like, I might never. Oh, absolutely. XYZ. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because, well, and also, too, I was, you know, my my situation, I was on Conan Island for many, many years. I right. wasn't even, like, really out circulating that much. I had a job and I, you know, and I have kids and I have a a life and I would go to my job and it was a fantastic job. It was, you know, I I worked with people I loved. We, the hours were good, you know, I mean, uh, and, and it was really fantastic. And then it ended and, and I was like, all right, come on, acting roles. And it's Mm. like, it's just, there's been there's lots of stretches of time and not just now i mean at different points in my life where the phone didn't ring that much right and i'm i still enjoy a lot of you know goodwill from people and i've uh, i have a, a history you know that people know and and like but yeah it could you know i don't know what's going to happen i don't i'm not guaranteed to be, you know, <laughs> you know, like to to be some kind of superstar for the rest of my life, and and you know, and quite frankly, too, I'm not that good on my own. Like, I'm not that good figuring out what to do with myself. Mm, I, I relate. You know what I mean? Like, I need. I'm. I've always been good about being around situations where something's happens with a group of people and mm-hmm. getting involved mm-hmm. with this thing, with this thing that's not just me. Right. I mean, I I was I did in between, you know, the two time the working for Conan, I came out here and I had sitcoms, you know, that I was the star of, which is you know, like wildly successful in one sense, but there's still plenty of people on the internet that like to say like, "Well, you fucking three-time loser on sit, you know, on show <sighs> of business." Course, people at home on you their know, couches yeah, have yeah. never taken a risk. Right, exactly. And I mean, you know, and I I've, I've had a lot of work that I'm very very proud of. And I'm, 
just lucky and blessed in so many ways. But yeah, I don't know. So are I you just, committed to doing this until you die? You have to um, say right now. Yeah. Okay, me too. I, honestly, I don't Blood know packed? what. <laughs> I'd, Want rather, to? I'd rather not. <laughs> Could be funny. I'd rather not. Could make I'd a memory. Know. Could make a memory. <laughs> Golden memory of blood. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm going to do something like this. Yeah, we got to. Because I don't, uh, I don't know, aside from like opening up a breakfast restaurant and flipping pancakes. I don't... Would you like to open a restaurant? Uh, would, th- would that be like a parallel universe, Andy? No, probably, honestly, parallel universe, Andy, would probably be in Chicago working in advertising. Oh. Oh, okay. You know, or Parallel Universe Andy would be uh, working with animals. You mm. know, like I like animals. And like, I'm all right, I could work with animals. But I couldn't have an office job, you know. Yeah. I mean, oh advertising God, is an office job, but it's, you know, not really. You yeah. don't have to wear a tie. I know, that's so um, funny. Even when I was a kid, I remember when I learned what a temp was. And I was like, that's the closest I ever felt to being like, that's what I want to do. Because it was like, once I found out it was like a different job every day, I was yeah, like, yeah. I'll do that. Because I could, just couldn't bear to think of. Oh, the, a different job every day. That's when I, because I went to film school and I worked freelance out of film school. And that was instantly like, I was like, all right, I like this. It's different all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. So then I got into show business and then got on the same show for years and years at a <laughs> but time. But even that, it's like every myself. day there's a new thing to laugh at. There's a yeah, new that, joke. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but I mean, but it's still, it is after a while, it is kind of like, it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's I took same. one of those like um, career aptitude tests and I got my top two were garbage person, like garbage I want to say garbage man, but then I was like, that's gendered. And then, but when you say garbage person, it sounds like. <laughs> right, right. Like you're a garbage, like you're actual garbage with yeah, legs. Just um, piece of shit. Really? Like they, it said. It said garbage man. And the number two is magician. So I, I like to what? think like what I do now is kind of a mix of both those. <laughs> that seems like a, like a not very reliable well, testing it was service. Long, it was like we did it on the computers in the Mac lab and it was like a hundred <laughs> questions. I better fucking know what it's talking about. <laughs> do you like lifting cans? Yes. <laughs> or do you often wear long sleeves? Yes. Yeah, there was. Now that I think of it, there was a lot of long sleeve questions. <laughs> um, what you, when you said you were working with uh, Amy Poehler, uh, what what are you doing with Amy? So she's producing. Um, she has this whole new like podcast uh, universe. Oh, so, so through Paper Kite, she's doing her Doctor Sheila. Um, show right now where she's a therapist and she has other comedians on yeah um to you know counsel them through their marital problems or whatever and it's so funny it's so funny and when hers ends it's gonna turn into so the last guest on her show is ike and then ike plays this kind of like um joe rogan kind of character who's been canceled Uh um and he's seeking therapy and then the next 10 episodes are Ike's podcast where he's been forced to hire a female co-host and that's me. Oh, so then okay. And then after ours is done, it will transition into another different parody of a podcast kind of thing. So we go from like therapy to Joe Rogan to uh, there's like a murder podcast after us and it's all just done by comedians and it's all purely improvised and it's just been so fun. Oh, wow. So yeah, Amy's produced all of them. So she's with I, us yeah, in the I booth like, every day. And, and I like that, that and, there's like a, you know, like a, uh, through a, line a framework. Yeah, 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 a through line that, that's kind of planned out. It's so. super cool. That's great. Yeah, it's been so fun. And it's just like all we can ask for, you know, yeah, to be yeah. laughing at work. And I, I also have something here that you're... Uh, 
Unglamorous with Kim Cattrall. Yes. Ooh la la. Ooh la la is right. Mm. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That's a, um, That was super fun. We shot that in Toronto, so that was so nice to like go home. That's the thing. Is like I, I have so many friends in Toronto, but I don't have family there. So yeah. it's like, if I'm going to take time and go home, I go to Edmonton. And it's, I find it difficult to have those two places. Because I would feel so guilty if I like went to Toronto for Christmas and just spent time with my friends, you know? So anyways, it's nice to have an excuse to go to Toronto for friends. Get over it. Get over it. Get over Not it. Not everything needs to be a golden memory. Those people, <laughs> you have given them enough. Those people up there. Uh, the cows and the oil. Oh, it's so true. Uh, you've given them enough. Makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we shot in Toronto and that's fun. And then, yeah. and then as soon as we wrapped on that, I got to shoot another show, a Taika Waititi show that's coming out next year. So that would be fun. Oh, wow. to play like a detective. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I showed you gun with my fingers so, that, so you know how serious I was I did, about it. I did. Yeah. But like that's fun too because that's a, like a dark comedy and I get to be someone funny but I also get to have a gun and like kick down doors and arrest people which I never thought in a million yeah. have you ever played a cop? Um, A cop. I can't remember honestly. I mean it would have been a one-off but I did I got to be a murderer on Monk once. Oh. On an episode of Monk. I oh, got you were the, like the unsuspected. Yeah, yeah. I like, was friendly guy kills women? It's yeah. like, yeah, hun, welcome to comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I've gotten to, I mean, only occasionally I've gotten to play like a villain or a bad guy or something. Isn't like it cool that. when people let oh, us do it? It's the best. I just never thought that it's the best. I would get to wear a leather jacket and like do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So fun. I can't think of cop. I played a bunch of priests. Oh, I can see that I've for you. I've played a bunch of priests, and I have also been, I mean, a million times, the voice of a dog. Wow. Either on an animated show or in a live action show where, like, either the dog's mouth moves or it just cuts to the dog and the dog says something real wisecracking. Oh, yeah. But he's, like, kind of thinking it and the humans yeah. can't hear yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And so do you do your voice or do you do dog voice? No, mostly my voice. Oh, really? Th th that's what the people want. That's uh, this boy. People hear this voice and they think dog. <laughs> they think something that shits in the house um, on the floor. Uh, yeah, no, that I yeah, lots of dogs. That's a real honor, though, to be wanted for your own voice. Kind of. I'm getting mad because. I, well, it's not so much anymore, but it used to they used I used to get auditions for animated voices and they'd be like not cartoony. Uh, Which is like, excuse me. Yeah, that's like saying, I don't know. It's like going, okay, we're gonna go on a on a cruise, but you have to stay indoors. Yeah, I know. You know, like what? What do you mean, not cartoony? That's what you, the idea Especially is. Especially when you do it, like I did my first animated series last year for Comedy Central, yeah. a show called Fairview, and it was like louder, faster, louder, yeah, faster, yeah. until everyone just sounds psychotic. There's yeah, no yeah, such yeah, thing. Yeah, and yeah. that was like a kind of political adult comedy. Yes. Nobody wants regular voice. No, I don't. I I mean, I, I'm hoping that it, it kind of changed. I mean, I got to do, I did Mort in the Madagascar movies. I, I got to do that voice, which is a very That's cartoony so cool. voice. So that was, I, you know, I got to do that. And I've done other cartoony kind of voices. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of it is like, it, play it real. Like, right. Yeah, because that's what the kids want. Have they you ever done a drama? Yes. Did you cry? No. No. Andy. One, I've, done, I've done a few dramas. You're supposed to cry in a drama. I know. I know. <laughs> the one the one that I, the one, I, I mean, this is your podcast, but but I mean, but I, the one that I, I did uh, Rob Lowe after he left West Wing. 
Oh. Had a show for five minutes called Lion's Den, L-Y-O-N-S Den, and it was a legal drama. Cool. And I was in a uh, ripped from the headlines B plot, uh, which was based on, I don't know if you remember this, I'm from Chicago, so I do, but the Cubs years ago were in the playoffs and they were just almost, we're going to win this game and there was a foul ball that, that an, guy caught yeah, it, and right? this guy caught yes. it. This guy caught the foul ball, and it, you know the Cubs would have caught it, and they would have been out of the inning, and then they ended up losing. Right. And so this guy was uh, Bartman, Steve Bartman, was right? His name. So this was I was playing Steve Bartman. Whoa! But in this TV episode, in this TV version, the newspaper, because you know. The newspaper, if a guy fucks up the teams, the home team's chances of, of getting into the World Series, they print their name and God. house, their address yeah, and yeah. phone number. Dox which them. is that's in this, in this, it's like as if the Chicago Tribune said, Steve Bartman lives at so and so, you know, like, God, and that was so I was going to sue the newspaper. So I had to go in and, and, and hire this law firm. And it was with David Crumholtz and Matt Craven were the lawyers. Crumholtz and Craven. Crumholtz and Craven, <laughs> uh, LLC. Yeah. And uh, and I and it was just like it was just so weird because it was just all so corny. It's so. Did you have a baseball in your hand the whole time? No, but it's just I find and I found it to be so much more embarrassing than like walking around in a G-string in a comedy Oh, bit. To- be, uh, because I, I a thousand percent agree you with know. you. It's like, I want people to laugh at me when I'm asking them to laugh yes. at me. Yes. I don't want them to laugh at me when I'm really trying or, not for right. it. Right, or, or to like, this is, you know, this is very important. It's like, it's not important. Like God. none of it's all so silly and corny. But the one, the thing that I, rem- that I will carry with me forever is that in the scene, Matt Craven is like, interviewing me and asking me and, uh, you know, all the questions and Crummel just, just pissed because I screwed up the chance for the team to finally win. Good cop, bad it. cop. Yeah. And Crummel just all pissed. And finally Crumholtz can't take it anymore. And he, and he says, uh, why'd you do it? Why did you reach out and try and catch the ball when you knew that they could have caught it and won and, and the game would have been over and we would have been in the world series. And my line was because I thought if I caught that ball, my son would think I hung the moon. You're kidding. That was my line. And I had to say that. You could have cried. So many times. <laughs> you could have cried. And I was just like, I have never in my life outside of- No, 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 of, no, no. I've no. never heard anyone say, no. hung the moon. No, 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 no. Hung the moon. God. And it was just, like I say, it was just embarrassing. Oh. I've, embarrassing. I deeply relate. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. also, and I also too, like when I, you know, you're on set and you're rehearsing or whatever, having fun. I got the, definitely got the feeling of like, you're not supposed to have fun here. Yeah. You're not supposed to goof around. Like when we're, when we're just blocking, like don't, don't do your lines with a funny accent. Yeah. Like, I don't really like get that. What? Why not? Because it's like, you also hear about all these method actors who are like ruining all of their personal relationships for the yes. job. And it's like, I get why you and I love our jobs. Yes. Because we yes. get to laugh. Yeah. But it's like, what's in it for you guys? I guess there's a nice paycheck. <laughs> I, don't, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. like, how can they be like, wow, I really loved ruining my entire family's life, pretending to be the Joker <laughs> and then dying? <laughs> like, what? I don't know. I don't know. 
It doesn't Crazy. seem like fun to me. Well, what do you got? I mean, what? where do you want to be, say, in like five years? Like, you know, what do you want to do? I mean, you said you, you're doing this. Yeah, I'd like to do it till I die. That's yeah. kind of like my mantra. Right, That's right, something right. I decided early on. Like, I'll be, I'll be here doing this when I'm 90 and then hopefully I'll just like have outlived the other people that were better than me and I'll get all their jobs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love LA. I'd love to be here. I, I really want to do like, it was so fun to play in the Taika show. Um, but Taika it, with TD is who you, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a dark comedy and it was like, so, that was like a dream. You know, I got to be, you know, one of the leads. I got to have a gun. As I said, it was important to me. I got to kick doors and they would splinter into oblivion. Like stuff like that is so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'd never been in like all, every episode of a, of a series before. So that was like so many, um, boxes ticked, but I really, what I would really like to do sometime in the next five years is like either some sort of really just truly funny ensemble comedy. Like, this was like a dark comedy, what I did. It was still really funny, but not. Yeah. I just want, like, bingo, bango, dodge Durango, joke a minute, like, ha, yeah, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, um, Or more, like, improvised stuff. Like, I got to do jury duty last year, and yeah. th that being, like, unscripted character stuff, like what Nathan Fielder does or Borat or, mm -hmm. like, Jenna Friedman, like, those kind of things, that would be a dream. Yeah. To go into something and, like, trick people into believing yeah. me <laughs> what about what about outside of career stuff I oh mean, i don't have any amb ambitions outside oh really of career. i just you're I, an empty I, vessel I, except I, for show business <laughs> no probably sometime in the next well that you know i'd like to have kids probably in the next five years yeah take yours if you don't want them Mm, you know, leave your number uh, with okay, our okay, producer okay, and okay. I, if I'll let you know. Because you know, believe me, there are fucking days. <laughs> oh, boy. But yeah, definitely, definitely kids sometimes. It was so funny. I went to the horse races for the first time last week and there was this like kind of creepy guy. If you're listening to this, look, man, someone had to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like hanging out with my friend and I just hanging around us in this like shared box area that we were in. And he was like, for some reason, his line was like so you girls have kids and we were like no he's like thinking about having kids you guys want to have kids i'm like yeah i'll probably have kids when when do you think you're gonna have kids i'm like do you is this hitting on me for you how many more times I'm very are you gonna fertile. ask me about I'm very this? fertile what's up with the birth fertile plan and huh motile. natural yeah. epidural what's up ladies what are you gonna do <laughs> i'm like dude i'd love to have a kid soon not by you please yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah family stuff is huge um yeah, you know, um, going. I go home more often now. I feel like the older I get, the more I'm going home. And I just went home over the the weekend. I on Friday night, I was talking to my sister on the phone. We were saying, "I miss you. I miss you. I love you. I love you." She was saying, "The trees are all turning color. We're carving pumpkins. All the stuff that we would do usually mm -hmm. as a family." She said, I wish you were here. And I was like, I looked at flights and I was like, "Why don't I be there?" Yeah. And so I bought a flight. For the next morning. Yeah. I've never done anything like that before. But it was like, when you remember you have free will, yeah, yeah. you can go and spend time with your family. And a little so. bit of disposable income. And yes. yeah, why not? Well, yeah. Flare Air, as we were talking Flair about Air, in the kitchen. Yeah, we were talking about before. Yeah. $75 a flight, honey. Yeah, if you guys got $75 burning a hole in your pocket. And you'd like to fly nonstop to Edmonton, Alberta on Tuesdays there. and Thursdays only, <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely can do wow, that. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, well, what do you, I mean, so far, you know, you, you got so much ahead of you, but uh, you know we we ask on the we by we I mean me a very royal we. Uh, what have you learned? Like, what do you think? You know, do people ask you for advice? I mean, somebody has to have at one point or another. 
Yeah, yeah. I think like the biggest thing that I've learned, and I've talked about this before, um, is like when I was coming up in Toronto, I had a teacher there, Rob Baker, who was incredible. And um, I got, like I said, I kept getting these opportunities that I shouldn't have had. Or like, you know, they felt like they were unique to me. They were before my time. I was too inexperienced for them. I kept getting pulled forward. So there was a lot of times where I would be, I would find myself at a show with improvisers that were all like 10 years older than me that were people that I idolized and I was suddenly playing with them. Mm -hmm. And it was really scary to me because I don't think people knew how new I was to improv. Right. Um, And so anyways, it was one, it was a show like this and uh, I was in the, ended up being in the cast with my teacher who was currently teaching me at Second City and someone had booked us on a show together. And I just felt so like, you know, it's like a weird feeling. I felt so out of place, like, and they're all friends and they're all the same age group and they, they've all come and gone from main stage and they're just so much better than I am. Yeah. And um, I was with them in the green room and I think he could tell that I was like, freaking out a little bit. I was just a little nervous. Like, couldn't really hang. And I didn't know what they were talking about. You know, it was like, right. I didn't have anything in common with them. And um, and right before we went out, he was like, hey. And he just like put a hand on my shoulder and he's like, who's going to have the most fun out there? And I was like, oh, I didn't. I was like, yeah, we're going to have fun. He's like, no, who's going to have the most fun? And I was like, me? He's like, is it going to be you? Maybe. Could, could be you. Is it going to be you? I was like, okay. And then we started kind of like rallying back and forth. Like, I was like, yeah, I am. I'm going to have the most fun. And it kind of, and I'm a naturally very competitive person also. <laughs> so I'm getting this idea in my head of like, like, look, if we're all going out there or we're all walking onto set or we're all waiting in this audition room or whatever, I can't control who's going to have the best show, who's going to book the job, nothing like that. But I can decide inside that I'm going to have the most fun out of everyone here. Yeah. That's all I can control. Yeah. So if I have that idea and it really has like helped me just kind of like live open-handedly with this career that's so hard to do, um, just to play and have fun, be as playful as I can and enjoy it for what it is without trying to be good or anything like that. It's very, very wise. And I have all, you know, I, I that it, it that, cause that's like a conclusion that I've reached and you're reaching it a lot younger than I did, which is, did I have a good time? Right. Okay, then that's success. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I used to have, there used to be guests on the Conan show. And I mean, like big movie star types that I, you know, that like over the years I would become friendly with who after the, either before or after the, the, the interview would be like, was that okay? Yeah. Like, did I do okay? And I always would just say, it doesn't matter. Did you have fun? Did you enjoy yourself? Then, yeah, it went great, you know? And right. that, and I think that that's such a good barometer to sort of guide you through anything, really. You know, I mean, maybe not brain surgery. Like, maybe hey, you should know have a little your fun. stuff. Yeah, but I mean, not like, what if we did? What if we put this <laughs> nerve on this node? You know? But even that, like, even to argue brain surgery, it's like that woman. Got you. Can come to work. Whoa. Yeah. Female brain surgeon. Blew my mind. Yeah. So she, I didn't even know that happened. She comes to work and she can be like, she can make eye contact with all of her like assistants in the room and be like, how is everyone's weekend before they start? Like, right, why right, fucking right. not? Yeah. Some people are so committed to not having fun that it alarms me. Yeah. Like, you know you could infuse some fun into anything, you know? In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. There are some people that just do not seem to care. And or the most heartbreakingly, like even when I moved out here, it's like, and I got on Herald and it was like, 
fuck yeah, like this is so exciting. And then I'm on Herald Night with people that are like, oh, do you, do you guys think the ADs are going to be watching the show? Or like, oh, God, Bester's giving notes after. And like, they're like working themselves up into a coma. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I, I feel so privileged to be here, but I also can understand that it's just Herald Night, which is, here's the other half of who's going to have the most fun. It's also, you know, if you ever get caught in feeling like you can't or it's too scary, I like to think about, like, I don't know the names of all my great-grandparents, Okay. I don't. I, it's mm. probably something that I should. I don't. Oh, you know, I don't think I do either. Okay, great. Loving okay. this common ground for us. Because okay. what does that mean? Like, so when you die, it's like, how long are you going to be remembered for? Right. How long am I going right. to be remembered for? If I don't even know my own great grandmother's name and she's my flesh and blood yeah. and like part of my, a crucial part of my story. Right. Like, what am I going to do here that's going to make such a splash that I have to worry about whether or not people give a shit about it? Yeah. Marilyn Monroe is like the most famous actress of her time. I can't name more than one movie she's been in. Mm -mm. Like, and imagine she walked off set being like, oh my God, that was terrible. It was the worst acting I've ever done in that scene. And it's so humiliating. It's like, I just vaguely know that you're a blonde woman who used to live. Yeah, yeah. That's all I'm left with. It's like right. the impact that we leave, the legacies are like non, non-existent. I mean, unless so you you're might Marilyn as well Monroe. Have fun. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. all that to say. You might as well just enjoy yourself. Yeah. Because no one's going to remember you when you die. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Uh, no, uh, thank you, uh, Lisa Gilroy, for, for coming in and, uh, thank and you, spending Andy this Richter. time with me. It was fun. This it was, was super great. fun. I'm a yeah. big fan of yours, so this oh, was really fun. Thank you very much. And I am of you, too. And it's nice that we finally got to meet and uh, that I got to learn that uh, I should be having fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, but anyhow, uh, thanks for tuning in, all of you uh, out there, you podcasters, listeners. And uh, I'll be back next week with more of whatever this was. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rich Garcia. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Nick Liao, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, with assistance from Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grawl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to The Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. And do you have a favorite question you always like to ask people? Let us know in the review section. Can't you tell my love's growing? Can't you feel it ain't showing? Oh, you must be a knowing. I've got a big, big love. This has been a Team Coco production. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Scramble through our world-class golf courses or shop your way through the square. Be one with nature as you hike or bike through our parks and trails or hunker down at one of our breweries. And when it's time to eat, be sure to bite into our eclectic food scene. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.